family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point. I'm your host, Rick Strong, president of Paradigm Security Services, and we are excited to have you here today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. If you would, please hit that subscribe button on whatever form, uh, podcast format you're looking at and platform, and we'd really appreciate it. Each week, we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County and the people in Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security issues, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and related aspects of security as we go through the course of each show. My guest today, we're really happy to have Miss Bonnie Rich. Thank you for coming, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. For those that don't know, she is a candidate for Georgia House of Representatives, the 97th District, and if I'm not mistaken, you're the incumbent. That is correct. I am actually... Since last year... Yes, for, for the last two years. I was two elected years. in 2018, yes. 18, that's right. And, you know, a lot of people probably know who you are, but then again, a lot of people may not know who you are. So why don't you give me a little background on what you'd like to do about tell us who you are, your, person, your personal life a little bit, your family, what, where were you born, what brought you where you are, and why in the world you get into politics? <laughs> Thank you. Not as many people know who I am as those who knew my predecessor, the incredible Brooks Coleman, who held yep. my seat for 26 years. I'm always quick to tell people that I did not run against Brooks Coleman. <laughs> I definitely he, started this after he retired. <laughs> he's a cool guy. Uh, he has been a great source of encouragement and, and a supporter, so I'm really thankful for that. I imagine he's a great mentor, too. Yes, he is. He ha- is just a wealth of knowledge. I, um, I never had plans to go into politics. My husband always thought that I should and encouraged me to do so, and I actually thought that I never would. I just never considered it. I, uh, I'm a wife and a mom and a lawyer, and I've been completely satisfied with, with all of that. But as my children were starting to get older, uh, they were in high school, one was driving. I wasn't needed as much. I wasn't volunteering at the library anymore, and I really wasn't driving them to school and all of their activities, and I just wanted something more. I had been a part-time law professor for 10 years so that uh, I could be with them a lot. And I'd been looking for my next my next thing, and I knew that I wanted to do something in service to others. I had considered starting my own nonprofit. Um, I considered going in as counsel for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But one Saturday morning, we were reading the local political news, as we usually did, and saw that uh, Representative Coleman, Chairman Coleman, was retiring, and. I had the thought before my husband said it when he read the headline to me, um, 
I knew that that was probably what I wanted to do. The true epiphany, as they say. It really was. I still remember the moment where we were, where we were sitting, and I remember the first person that we we called to kind of bounce the idea off of, and that was uh, Chairman um, Harrell, Brett Harrell. Mm-hmm. And he was extremely encouraging, and he has been a wonderful mentor to me ever since. Yeah, Brett's another good guy. Um, what would you say your qualifications are for running for this office? Well, I'm a lawyer, and um, we do write the laws and the legislature, so that really does help. Um, most people are aware that we probably have too many lawyers in Congress, uh, but that is absolutely a- absolutely not the, the case at the state level. We don't have enough lawyers in our legislature. Uh, so as a result, those of us um, who are lawyers end up on the Judiciary Committee, and we work very, very hard. Um, really long hours. Um, a lot of other legislators come to us for our insight. So my training as a lawyer is very helpful with this job. Um, I also believe that my experience in um, running my own practice for the last several years as a small business owner has also really informed my position. And then for 10 years, I taught law students in a tax law program. Uh, so my understanding of, of the, the tax code has also been beneficial. But more than that, and probably what motivated me more than anything, has been my experience as a mother. I, um, I feel very blessed to have been able to rear my children in Swanee, and it's been a wonderful place for them to grow up. We have beautiful parks, we have low crime, we have families who have similar values. Um, respecting law and order, following the rules, and it has just been such a blessing to be able to rear my children there. Um, I want to continue that, and that was a big motivating factor for me in deciding to run for office because I know that all of those things don't happen by accident, and those are the reasons that we moved there, and it's those are probably the reasons that a lot of people moved there, and I just think that I, I am uniquely qualified to help continue what has been started. You know, a lot of people, you brought up an interesting point that I don't think a lot of people even stop to think about, and that is as a uh, lawyer with your own private practice, you are, in fact, a small business owner. And exactly. you have to deal with all the same things that small business owners do. Often you have one or two employees, but, you know, even if you don't have employees, you still come up against all of the things that every small business order uh, owner comes up against. That is exactly right. Exactly right. And all the way down to uh, to being influenced and motivated by the tax code. Absolutely. I have, um, I have made decisions over the last five years to actually um, keep my law practice at a certain size because it was actually not worth it with, with the current tax structure and um, what I would be up against. So um, we've made those decisions, and I know that other business owners have as well. Well, being familiar with the tax code, I'm sure that uh, you've got some firsthand experience and, and uh, an opinion on if uh, certain people are elected during this election, uh, what the new taxes or two ne- two new tax rates and stuff are going to do to small business owners. Oh, absolutely. And that is a, a, a great unifying factor because regardless of where people stand on a multitude of social issues and how we live our personal lives, 
um, many of us are very concerned about being able to continue to support our families and to provide for them and the tax code and the tax rates will have a direct impact if not on our individual businesses um, there are pl- many people who are employed by small businesses mm-hmm. and some of those small businesses will make some decisions like I made and will choose to retract and there will be jobs lost and it Absolutely. is a fact Absolutely. A lot of people say, well, it's only those over 400 million or 400,000. I think it's 400,000. But, you know, everything has an effect uh, on the as as it goes down. And, you know, people people don't stop to think that big corporations, you know, they say they don't pay tax. Well, they're there's a reason why they say that because those taxes what they have to pay are filtered through and basically paid by the people that buy their product or or in some way down it filters down to where you the the user and the citizen are going to end up paying taxes through the prices of the thing of whatever you're buying so even if you didn't get an actual tax increase which you will because there's some other things involved you would see that tax increase in as far as the price of what you're buying. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the media, with their sound bites, they have done a real disservice. They have led people to believe that this is a much simpler analysis than yeah, it really black is. Yeah, white thing, and it's really not. There's a whole lot of gray in there that the gray is what slops over on everybody else. Yes, that's a good way of summarizing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, would you say that, would you call yourself a physical conservative? Yes, I absolutely would. What would you define that as? Well, a fiscal conservative is one who believes in lower taxes, but we also need taxes. So I'm not I'm not here to say that I'm going to agree with every tax cut and tax credit there is because the truth is the state has to provide certain services. Yep. But I believe that those taxes need to be kept as low as possible. I also believe in smaller government and that's that's one of the ways that you can keep taxes lower is is through smaller government and and less government spending um, I believe in privatization as much as possible wherever we have seen that um, we see that there are much greater efficiencies just compare Federal Express and UPS with the US Postal Service for example well look at the uh, back when we had the bridge collapse on 85 Absolutely. Uh, he brought all the private enterprise and all that into it got done at less cost on to actually early wasn't on time it was early and uh, just completed quickly whereas if the deal it and nothing against the dot i think the dot is a great organization it gets a lot accomplished but if it had been left up to government to do that we probably still have a detour there i agree with you i agree with you that is a perfect example of the the kind of genius and um just the work ethic that capitalism encourages Absolutely. It gives you an opportunity. You have that, that incentive yes. where you can earn more if you hurry up and do it right and get it done right. You, you build it quicker. You can earn more, drag it out. The government makes more or spends more, but it's crazy. It's just total waste. Yes. Well, the economy, you know, that's a big issue with uh, going around <laughs> since the virus has hit because we were doing so fantastic. Uh, before the coronavirus had to, before he chose to shut everything down. Whether you agree with him shutting everything down or not, that's a whole other story. Um, I have my 
opinions on that as well. But bottom line, the reality of it is it was shut down uh, to a certain extent, to a great extent. So how do we get things back on track as we come out of this coronavirus pandemic? Well, I believe that we are actually doing that and we are on a great course. Um, I sometimes forget that other parts of our country are completely shut down still. Um, but we see in, in our communities, we see businesses operating, small businesses have their doors open, consumers are being able to patronize those businesses, but we're not doing it the way we used to. We're wearing masks, we're maintaining social distance. Uh, many businesses, depending upon what the situation is, they have physical barriers, plexiglass, but people are employing these techniques that the CDC has recommended and businesses are able to continue and, and these owners can support their families and they can keep their employees working so that they can support their families. Our children are able to go to school for in-person learning. Those who we need to get there. Yes, um, many many have, and many thank have. goodness we have the op- some options now. Um, and there are families who have other considerations. They have health issues in their home, and and they are not able to make that same choice. And but it, sh- it shouldn't mean it's that case by case it basis, is. though. It's for each one's personal choice and personal you know, needs that yes. you, you make adjustments. You don't say, well, the older people, and I, you know, I'm in that range that's supposedly, you know, at risk. I don't want people having to adjust their lives for me. I adjust my life to maintain my safety if I feel the need for it. But people need to go on and, and do their business, run their lives, and do what, do what needs to be done for this great country. Yes, I agree with you. When, when all of this first started, I actually was very ill myself, and I we were quarantining before that word became commonplace. Um, and my children who are teenagers were not very happy with it, but it, it was important <laughs> to my health. And, and now my sister, she is immunocompromised and her family is having to make some different decisions than my family has made. But when we have family events where we're planning to be um, around her, we do start taking other precautions sure. in preparation for those visits because that's, that's just being personally responsible. Exactly. And, and that's the whole idea of what we do in the United States is this personal responsibility. It's this group think is just that's great if you're in a socialist country in a communist country where the where the government dictates what the social attitudes will be, but that's not the way we do it here in the US and people need to I tell you I honestly believe that you're going to see the uh, coronavirus come to an amazing end with all these shutdowns and everything probably about November the 4th. That's what a lot of people are saying. I hate I hate to, to think that that's been the big motivating factor. It um, but um, I, it would be it good. Is. It would be good for us if uh-huh. if that happens. And uh, or really, really, some other states are probably hurting a lot worse than we are. For example, oh, California, absolutely. California, yeah. Michigan, uh, and they're they're about ready to string some people up in Michigan. Boy, you you listen to them, they're ready to. They're ready to do a number on the governor there, but, you know, what can you do? Right. It is what it is. So, right. You know, they had their issues. They've got to solve their issues the way we do it here. And if you have to vote her out or impeach her or whatever you have to do, then that's what you have to do. It's not a matter of taking up your guns and going out and hanging somebody. No, we, we use the process that, that our founders so ingeniously <laughs> created and designed. Well, you know, how have you responded to the budget shortfall that we know that the coronavirus has caused? 
Well, do you mean in my capacity as a legislator? Yes. Yes. So when we went back for the last two weeks of session um, at the end of June, we that was that was really the big job that we had was to craft a new budget, and um, it made what we had done earlier in the session seem so trivial. At the time, we thought it was really difficult, and it and it was at the time where we had to cut ten uh, percent. The governor had kind of given his directive and. Um, we were responding to individual needs um, from different agencies and, and trying to make sure that essential needs were covered. Well, then this was just a whole other ball game when we came back in June. Um, we had to cut even more because the one thing that we are constitutionally required to do is to pass a balanced budget mm-hmm. every year. We're not allowed to spend more than we take in. Um, what a concept. Right. Yeah, it's too bad that the federal, federal government, government is not like that. You betcha. <laughs> yeah, so so we are mandated. Um, so uh, it, it was difficult. We have appropriations committees and subcommittees who really take deep dives into this. They were extremely receptive and open as we, the legislators who were not on those committees, would come to them with our needs, our constituents. Um we ha- I had specific issues that were addressed with respect to um, mental health issues in my community and making sure that those individuals who are not able to care for themselves continued to receive the services that they absolutely needed. Um, fortunately, we had a lot, um, I think I think something like maybe 100, 178 of our school districts across the state had enough in their reserves so that when we had to cut from the education budget from the state that none of the schools missed a beat nobody missed a dollar plus they had all of the cares money and we knew that so we were very careful in in how much we cut we didn't cut so much that that those schools were going to suffer um so it, it it was really difficult to to cut some services that were near and dear to many's many hearts um but i i'm really proud of the way that we did it and the fact that we had a rainy day fund in the state does make a difference doesn't it it does and just in the the two years that i have served i have heard several times the minority leader come up and say this this is this is where we need to spend the money we have it is time to spend the money in this rainy day fund and the fiscal conservatives on our side of the aisle said, no, maybe not. this is not what a rainy day fund. And we had no idea what was coming. We had no idea that we were going to experience a world pandemic. Yeah, instead of a rainy day, you had a thunderstorm. Yes, and thank goodness that these what, 12 years of, of just filling that rainy day fund, we, we had it there. And our state was able to continue to operate and I'm sure that there are some hardships and there always will be anecdotal stories. But when you look across our state and you see what our state was still able to do in the midst of this shutdown. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It is amazing. And it's because of the planning. Again, it didn't happen by accident. Well, and it's the willingness to follow the plan. Yes. And to stay the course. That's right. Yep. Not to be able to do a knee jerk reaction and do something outside of it. You brought up an interesting topic that when you were talking about the fiscal uh, abilities to pay for things and do things, and you brought up education. Now, where are you on the issue of making the HOPE scholarship based on uh, entitlement rather than based on merit? Well, that 
that's not what the Hope Scholarship is. Exactly. Yeah. That the Hope Scholarship was developed to be based on merit. And over the years, we have improved the Hope Scholarship. We It's not just for college students. We can use it for technical schools and vocational training as well, because not everyone is intended for college. But the truth is, it, it's, it's reserved for those people, those students who have worked it. hard and earned it. Yeah. Our students, their jobs, that's what I tell my children, your job is to be a student and to, to do the best that you can. And I, I believe that the Hope Scholarship needs to, main, to remain the Hope Scholarship. It needs to be merit-based. It is not an entitlement. I totally agree. Uh, when you start making an entitlement, you're going to see it shrink very quickly. And the incentives, you know, part of the idea of a scholarship is, in, is to, to reward for the incentive or provide incentive and rewards for doing an exceptional job. That's the idea of a scholarship that's offered not just because you want one. That is that is exactly right. That is a scholarship. I have heard from so many of my constituents, constituents who are not typically as involved in local politics as you or I may be. Um, they've planned. They've planned their retirement. They've planned where they lived, where they sent their children to school, around this Hope Scholarship, and they were very worried that it could be pulled from them absolutely would have made the difference when they could or they couldn't go yes that's exactly right and you know it'd be great if everybody could get a scholarship but everybody can't get the first place trophy and everybody can't be the blue ribbon winner there are people that graduate that's just the way that's the way society works the way life works Yes, it is. And, and we've done very well with the Hope Scholarship. We have been Absolutely. able to send so many more worthy students. I came along before the Hope Scholarship. Yeah, me too. And uh, <laughs> my, my family did not um, have the means. Um, it was not in their budget, but somehow we made it work between my grandparents, my parents, and I. We all worked and contributed toward my, uh, my education, and we made do. And um, it's just amazing how how many more students are able to go to to college because of the hope now you work within the framework that exists that's exactly right and so you know speaking of things that exist we have a existing transportation issue in Gwinnett County that has been talked about and talked about and voted on and voted on and voted down and (laughs) voted sideways and everything else how would you address the traffic congestion in Gwinnett County, and, and what's your thoughts on the splos that's come out on the on the ballot? So you're asking if I were king? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well, yeah. So I don't know that I have the expertise if I were king, but I I I definitely acknowledge that we have a traffic problem. I drove from Sewanee to Georgia State University um, for ten years um, as when I was was teaching in their tax clinic there. So. I am uh, very familiar with the, t- the traffic problem that we have, and it has not been addressed because I think we have had people on extreme ends of the issue who have been battling it out, and they've been forgetting about those of us in the, in middle. the middle, as so often happens in politics. Those with the loudest voices get the most attention. Yes, and that is not the way to get the, the best result. Um, the SPLOS that's coming up, it's very similar to... Um, what was on the ballot in March of 19. It's a 1% um, increase that would approve mass transit, which I I am in favor of mass transit for Gwinnett County. I think that we need something. Um, But 
this particular referendum will result in um, contracting with MARTA. Mm -hmm. And um, MARTA, a lot of people like myself who have lived in the metropolitan Atlanta area their entire lives are familiar with MARTA and some of the mismanagement um, that has resulted in the counties that have relied on it. I would hate to see Gwinnett suffer um, the way that we have seen uh, Clayton and Fulton Gwinnett. suffer. I mean, uh, DeKalb. Uh, in DeKalb, yes. Um, I believe that Gwinnett County can come up with some solutions. A better solution. Yes, and also, this is heavy rail. Um, heavy rail is extremely expensive and it takes a very long time. So, I needed help over the last 10 years and we have families now where the parents are driving to downtown Atlanta to work. They need help now. They don't need help in 15 years, which is when heavy rail will be, this heavy rail would be in place. Their children are gonna be gone and on their own. Um, and we are just on the cusp of some e extreme technological breakthroughs with respect to technology. Absolutely. And we have some really informed people who have some excellent ideas. Um, and I, I would love to focus some resources on that. One, one suggestion that Chairman Harrell had, has talked about is creating a, um, a bus only lane, not Correct. just a hot lane, but a bus only so that it would be, we would have reliable times. Mm -hmm. And then we can move the hubs as, as needed, depending upon where the population is growing. While we are at the same time developing something that will be a longer term solution based on some more advanced technologies. No, I, I'm not in disagreement at all. I've, I'm a big proponent of doing something with our transportation that it's got to improve, the situation does. I am not a big proponent of heavy rail. Uh, it's Like you said, it's very expensive. It comes up here to Jimmy Carter. Uh, personally, I, my personal opinion is I don't see the solution to bring it, just stopping there at Jimmy Carter and then going from there out because uh, it's not that far from Dorval to Jimmy Carter. Right. And that's a lot of money to put into something to just cross the county line. And it may have been it may have been that back in the 70s, maybe that decision should have been made. Yep. I, I was a child then. Um, but the truth is, Atlanta, Georgia, we're very late to the heavy rail game. Um, we're starting we're starting now in 2020. We don't need to use solutions that people, used at the beginning of the last century yeah and literally that is that the during the last century that's what they used and um, I can say there's, there's there's so much technology in place and so many ways to go and so many avenues I just you know I'm one of those that doesn't agree with the heavy rail part of it so I understand know, a lot of people just like you and just like me um, what is your vision for your district in Georgia? If you had to just kind of lay out, this is what I'd like to see happen, this is what I envision, what would you say? Well, remember the reason that I ran is because I want to continue what we've started. Um, the The last 12 years that I have lived in, in my district have been wonderful. We have thriving businesses, we have a low crime rate, we have excellent libraries and parks. I I want that. I want that for the families who are coming there with younger children. I also like what I've seen happening over the last 12 to 15 years in our state since mm -hmm. uh, Republicans have 
have led and um, we've built up that rainy day fund and we have I think that we just had the seventh year now where Georgia has been the best state in the country to do business absolutely that's that's why people are moving here yes and that's jobs Um, I, I think that that's we need to stay on that track we need to continue this environment where it's attractive to businesses to come here and to open their doors here and to hire our our Georgians. Um, I, I want to see the continued leadership with respect to in, um, supporting our law enforcement and Thank maintaining you very much. yes our law and order and teaching our youth to respect authority. Um, Georgia is a wonderful place to live. It's been a wonderful place to live and raise my family and it's a great place to do business and I want to I want to continue that and that will be continued through the conservative leadership that that we've had over more than the last decade but things are always changing look at this pandemic we we have to react we can't always do exactly what we've done before we just have to apply those conservative principles to new solutions Yep, you have to learn to adapt. Yes, these, these, these changes don't mean that we get off track and we start making decisions from a different ideological perspective. That's not the answer. We come up with new solutions based on our conservative ideology. Well, one thing I've seen of the conservative ideology is there have been a tremendous increase in the number of minority-owned businesses yes. being able to stop with entrepreneurs. Uh, that came out of this uh, this last first two, three years of the president's uh, term, and of course the last year has kind of sucked. Welcome to 2020. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's it's been cool to be a business owner and an entrepreneur in this in this atmosphere. Yes, it really has, and it is very exciting to see people from from different demographics being able to enjoy the fruits of of the the entrepreneurship, um, and and the same thing with with women owned businesses as yes. well. I'm. I have one, I have friends who have their own businesses and um, who are women, um, and uh, it is exciting. It's a, it's a much more dynamic economy when we have that kind of diversity in small business. Well, one of the things is, uh, I noticed that the Georgia Fam- Academy of Family Physicians named Bonnie Rich as the legis- legislative champion of the year. What, what's that all about? <laughs> that was that was really such a great honor. I, came, I, I did not expect it at all. It was based upon my work on the vape legislation. Um, and that came out of my being a mom. Um, the, the teenage vaping problem has, we have lived with that uh, for probably the last five years. Yes, before anybody else really knew, uh, the moms, we knew. We knew we were dealing with it and the schools they knew as well um and i just started thinking i was it was always on my mind what why is this happening why can these kids buy these vapes why do they want them and it turned out that um a child in my neighborhood 14 years old was just ordering it on the internet he was walking up to the drugstore buying debit uh, gift cards mastercard gift cards coming home and ordering it online having it delivered to his porch and left on the porch. Meanwhile, my wine club delivery was having to go to the UPS storefront because nobody was there to sign for it because 
an adult with an ID needed to sign. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why, why don't we do that for vape? So that was part of my legislation. And um, then I couldn't figure out why all of the, the local gas stations and convenience stores were selling to kids when they weren't supposed to be. They were supposed to be 18 years old to purchase these vape products. And I couldn't figure out why they were able to buy them and they couldn't buy cigarettes. And then I learned it's because, well, the Department of Revenue licenses the retailers who sell tobacco and alcohol. And if these retailers sell to minors, they'll lose their license and they can't sell that product anymore. And I said, well, I want that for vape too. And um, that's what I went for. And it was a very long, hard road. I worked for a year because I started in the summer of 19 and I worked on it all through the pre-session and then during the session. And then I, I became very ill during the session unexpectedly and I left. Meanwhile, some things happened to my bill while I left it there. And few it, minor adjustments. <laughs> yeah, a few minor adjustments <laughs> <laughs> while I was lying unconscious. And um, the, the bill failed on the House floor and it was heartbreaking to me. And um, I'm, that's one good thing that came out of the, the COVID shutdown is that it gave me time to get better. So I was able to go back for the last two weeks and I worked really hard to get it going again. I found a bill that had crossed over from the Senate that was a, a similar subject matter and that was uh, Senator Mullis's Tobacco 21 bill. And I took his little four page bill and I added my 48 pages of it. <laughs> Listen to me, not wanting regulation. <laughs> really what we did was we just lifted the licensing requirements for tobacco sales and we put it onto vapes. So um, that, that, that's what I did and, and I worked really hard and I cannot tell you how many steps of the way I had somebody step in and wanna fight an issue. And even the day that it went for a vote, um, I got called up to speak with the speaker with some other people and there were you know, issues going on with my bill and it, it was so much out of my control and all I could do was just argue for it and um, somehow it happened and, um, and it passed. That's and the way government works. I guess so, <laughs> I guess so. But um, it, it was so rewarding to me because I know that it, it will help parents and schools. It will partner, we have partnered with them to help them rear our children and to protect them from from things like this these dangerous vape devices with nicotine and who knows what else well that's that's an amazing honor to be given that given in that uh, champion of the year last thing here why should voters vote for you rather than your opponent you know what distinguishes you from your competition well i I, I have a track record, first of all. Um, That's a good start. <laughs> fortunately. Um, so for the last two years, I've worked really hard. Um, I, I really have. When I look at what I've done online on, on, on the House website, I have authored a lot of great legislation and gotten it passed. And um, I've worked with other people on their legislation also um, to help them get some really worthy legislation passed that helps those of us like me, who live in the middle, who are not these political extremes. I care about, I care about um, safety and security for our children. Um, I care about education. I care about health, especially for those who have not always had every advantage of having the best health. Um, and I've been able to work on legislation specifically targeting those issues. And I do feel like that my being there has made a difference. And um, I'm really proud of that. I was surprised that I had opposition um, 
because the person who's running against me, I had never met her. I've never spoken with her. She never reached out to me that she wanted me to do anything, that she wanted me to to work on any legislation. Unlike my previous opponent, um, who I ran against in uh, 2018, she and I, we were in constant communication throughout my term. And I, we did work together, and I was able to help build some bridges for her. Um, That's but, interesting. Yeah. And, um, but, but my current opponent, I, to this day, I've never spoken with her. I have reached out to her, but she's not responded. Um, one of her issues um, was domestic abuse. And, of course, I didn't know that she was going to run against me back in 2018. But ever since I went down to the Capitol in those early days of 2018, that's one of the issues that I've worked on. And I've worked with their groups, and I've, I've sponsored, and I've carried legislation on the House floor to help um, victims of domestic violence. So um, I I feel like uh, I have this track record and there's no reason to stop me now because I've just gotten started and I'm really excited about what else I might be able to do in the next two years. Well, I'm excited for you, Bonnie. It's, uh, and you know, it's just great to have somebody in office that has a, a a clear thought process about where they want to go, what they envision, and and what they want to get accomplished. Uh, thank you again. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, uh, I know that we're right around the corner from the election. If someone wants to contact you, maybe go out and put up some signs for you, support you, make some calls, or even make a little donation here and there. Mm-hmm. How would they go about doing that? Okay, I'm I'm really easy to find. I think if you just put in Bonnie Rich, then a few of my sites will 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 pull up. They will. Um, <laughs> um, I think one of them is for um, Bonnie Rich for statehouse.com. and I also have a Facebook page, uh, State Representative Bonnie Rich, and um, Bonnie Rich Law will pop up as well. I have my cell phone number on all of my materials on all of my websites and Facebook pages. It's been my cell phone since I was 19 years old and my mom paid for that that service on my bag phone. <laughs> it's not those. changing, it is not changing. So I welcome anyone to give me a call, text, email, anything I would love to hear from them. Fantastic, again, we really appreciate you having you on Bonnie. Again, that's Bonnie Rich. She's candidate for Georgia House of Representative for the 97th District, which is I guess around Swanee. Yes. And we appreciate you coming on very much. Thank you again for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to whatever podcast platform that you like and go to businessradiox.com, click on the Gwinnett Studio, then click on Case in Point. And please hit that subscribe button whenever you're there. Join us next week at 1130 when we will talk with business leaders about their businesses related to security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my dad, my guest, Bonnie Rich, and to producers Mike and Amanda. I'm Rick Strawn, and remember at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.